Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. You ever pretended you're deaf when God speaks to you? We've been there, haven't we? Now, why am I speaking to her? Because one of the things that she likes to do is go right on the edge of the street and walk around that path. And I have to say, you'll be no longer dog. I do it for her safety. She doesn't get it. Sometimes we don't get it. If you're a parent, you probably have had occasion to call after your child only to have them ignore you. This can be very frustrating, especially if you're trying to keep them from danger. These episodes usually end with a reprimand and maybe restricting movement or activity. Pastor Mark is teaching that our relationship with God is much the same. He has given us his word in the Bible for us to learn some of how he thinks and wants us to behave. When we take the time to learn what he expects from us and then obey him, we find that we get into less trouble on our own. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. He'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with part 1 of his message, Living or Dying, We Win. Philippians chapter 1. Paul was in prison. He's awaiting the trial. He had a dilemma. He didn't know whether he would live or die. He didn't know whether the trial would go well, he would be off, or he would lose it, and he would lose his head. Eventually, we know that he was martyred for Christ by losing his head. But whether he lived or died, he could see advantages of both. Paul loved life. It brought him great satisfaction and purpose and meaning. But Paul also had taken a quick trip to heaven, and he knew that heaven was better. So he has a dilemma And we're going to watch him as he works that dilemma out in his mind. What am I going to do with this? How is it going to work? I'm going to give you five keys so you can get your note paper ready as we go through this today. Five keys. But the first thing I want you to write down is this. By the way, this is only for Christ followers. That's why it says that. Notice. For the Christ follower, living or dying, we win. That was a place for an amen in case you missed it. So let me, we'll revert back and I'll do it again now. For the Christ follower, living or dying, we win. Hallelujah. 
Like, does it get any better than that? No, it doesn't. Because you're living right now, and you will die. By the way, that's only for the Christ follower. In Philippians chapter 1, down to verse 20, Paul begins to work through this dilemma that he has. He says, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by death or by life. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. So whether I, I live or die, I want to bring Christ honor. But for me to live is, is really Christ, and if I die, it is gain. That's the dilemma. Your homework was a sentence for you to fill in. For me to live is. For Paul, he said it was all about his relationship with Christ. He loved life because the secret to life and the secret to death was found in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ must be the center of our lives. We gave you a little picture of what that looks like. So, let's just review it for a moment. Now, Paul is not saying that everything in life has to do with Christ and he can't enjoy a football game or a meal out with friends or a vacation or a holiday. He's not saying that at all. But he says, bottom line, when I get up in the morning, my, my passion is to see with all the things I have to do, work, and whatever, of course, he's in prison. All the, what, what's Christ going to do with my life? So, Christ was his passion. His passion for living. So, in the middle is live for Christ. Outside of that circle, there's a million things that try to get into it. To try to get into what drives you. Maybe it's power, position, or relationships, or pleasure, money, travel, possessions, hobby, fame, and a million other things. All trying to get in that circle. Squeeze in there, and of course, if they can squeeze in there, Christ comes out. And pretty soon, we discover a possession drives us. A relationship, if you're single and you're dating somebody, that's all you think about. That drives you. Maybe you're starting a business and that drives you. Maybe you've lost your home. That's the thing that drives you instead of putting Christ in the center. Now, Paul says, if Christ is there, by the way, religion isn't there. There's many people listening to me right now. You're a good person, you've been in church all your life, but you don't know Jesus Christ personally. It's religion to you. Well, that's what was there for Paul. Paul was a great Jew, but he was lost, he was going to hell, and he had to have that changed. So, what does it mean to have Christ in the center of our life? Well, first of all, it means you have a relationship with him. I'll give you a chance to do that at the end of the service. But practically, what's that look like? Now, in a moment, you're going to see a video. Many of you have heard of the Walenda family, great artists on the high wire. One of the Walenda guys says this, and by the way, he's a believer. He says, for me to do the high wire, I have to have a point that I keep my eye on. It's a focus for me. If I get off balance, I go back to that point. Sometimes he's fallen, not all the way to the ground, but he's fallen. And he says, what do you do when you're in front of all these people and you fall? He says, well, you carefully get up. And you look for that point again. 
to get you going. Because what caused you to fall was to get your eyes off that. So maybe you're here today and you've fallen. And that circle used to be Christ, but it's not. How do you get started again? And you're going to see it. it's exactly the same thing that Paul just said to it. The, the key to living and the key to dying is Christ being the focus of our life. We have to have a focus in life that's fixed and unmovable. You can always count on it. Well, that's not a person. That's not a religion. That's Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. So first of the five keys that you want to write today is this. Number one, keep Christ in focus. The center, the master passion of our lives. Paul is not focused on the circumstances of living or dying. He's focused on what Christ wants to do for him now. He doesn't know whether he will live or die. But that is in God's hands. So he wants to know, what is the best thing I can do today to advance the kingdom of God? And to do that, I can't be thinking of my things. I have to be focused on God. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 Let us fix our eyes or focus our eyes on Jesus, for he is the author, he started it, he's the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. By the way, the joy he's talking about there is you and I coming to Christ. He endured the cross, he scorned its shame, and right now he he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Paul in verses 1 and 2 is talking about a race. He often used race as an analogy in his teaching. And he says to run the race well, I can't get sidetracked with all kinds of things. What's happening on the sideline? I have to keep focused on the finish. And I have to keep focused on the one who really is my reason for running. And it's Christ. So let's fix our eyes, let's focus on Jesus so that we can become like him. What Paul is saying is this. There is a model to follow. It is not Paul. It is not you. It is not me. It's Christ. And as we follow Christ, and you're easy to do that by just reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we begin to see what that looks like. But there is a little confusion, maybe already in your mind, as I've just read that. Pastor Mark, verse 12 says that Jesus is sitting in heaven on a throne. Well, how do I keep my eyes on him? I can't see past the ceiling. What does that really look like? Well, I'm going to give you the answer, and then I'm going to show you why it is the answer. Number two, write this down if you will. We need to keep not only Jesus, but we need to keep the Word, the Bible in focus, because it is the guide for all of life. Now, turn with me, if you will, to Old Testament. Keep your finger there, Philippians, we'll be right back. And let's turn to Psalms 119. Old Testament, about halfway through the Old Testament. Psalms 119, verse Nine. Now, when we're talking about focusing our eyes on Jesus, we're certainly not trying to go to the Hubble telescope and see if we can see Jesus sitting on his throne. We're talking about our spiritual eyesight. And 
the way we keep focused on Jesus, I'll give you the answer already, is through reading the Word of God. Studying the Word of God. Meditating on the Word of God. That keeps us focused on Jesus. Well, how is that? Well, when we read the Word of God and obey His commandments, we're doing what Jesus asked us to do. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Look at verse 9, Psalm 119. How can a young man keep his way pure? In other words, keep focused. Be right on. By living according to your word. Now notice it doesn't say by reading the word. It's living. And that word really means obeying the word of God. I have to study it as we're doing. I have to meditate on it. I have to read it. But then I have to obey it. And then I'll keep focused. Now notice verse 10. I seek you with all my heart. If you're here today and you say, well, I'll keep Christ's focus in my life. That's what's going to bring me pleasure. I'll do that. But I'm only going to do it because I have to. You'll never arrive. If you make this a religious deal, you can forget it. Notice it's all about the heart. That heart is that central being in us, the thing that drives us. So I want to do it because I know it's good for me and it's good for God. So I seek you with all my heart. Now notice this next statement. Do not let me stray from your commands. The word stray there means to cause to go astray, to pursue the wrong thing, and to be deceived. Let me ask you a question. In the Old Testament specifically, the Bible uses the analogy very often of God and Jesus as our shepherd and people are sheep. When we went through uh, Psalm 23, we learned a lot about sheep. You're a sheep and I'm a sheep. What was the number one thing we learned about sheep? Anybody remember? Starts with an S. They're stupid. That's exactly. Just turn to your, turn to your neighbor and say, sheep are stupid. And now turn to them and say, I are one. I are one. I are one. That's right. I are one too. Me too. And what do we mean by that? What is the purpose of a shepherd? Guide the sheep safely. But what do sheep do? As they're walking along, if something grabs their attention to the side, what do they do? We just read the word. What do they, they stray. And when they stray, why did they stray over to this area? It looks really good now, but it could be very dangerous. Why did they stray over here? Because they took their eyes off the shepherd. Do you got it? It's not complicated. Now, when they're over here, and the sheep goes, oh, there's some good grass down there. First step, boom. Why do I say sheep are stupid? Because the rest of the group go, let's follow. And that really happened not long ago. Remember in Portugal? There was hundreds of sheep that just roll off the cliff. Now, when you think about that, why did they lose their lives? Because they strayed. Something else became the focus. And that's what the Bible is simply talking about. It's easy for sheep to stray. And the way we protect ourselves is to keep ourselves with our eyes focused on Jesus. And of course, we do that through the Word of God. Now, how many of you have... Uh, Dogs at home. Let me, let me see how many have dogs at home. Okay, good. 
Um, I'm not using a cat illustration because cats are useless. They, they're like, <clears throat> they never obey anybody. They do everything they want to do independently. They're, they're a terrible illustration. By the way, then they're not going to be in heaven. So we're just using dogs. Okay. We have a little dog called Misu. She's a little uh, Shih Tzu. Poodle mix, just a little. Well, when I take her out to the front yard, she likes to go to the front yard. Better smells there than in the backyard. Immediately she strays. She just goes everywhere. And she's always getting in trouble. And so when I yell at her, she's around 11 or 12. She pretends she's deaf. And I'm yelling and the neighbors know what I'm doing, but she just going right on. By the way, you ever pretended you're deaf when God speaks to you? Hmm? We've been there, haven't we? Now, why am I speaking to her? Because one of the things that she likes to do is go right on the edge of the street and walk around that path. And that's to say, you'll be no longer dog. I do it for her safety. She doesn't get it. Sometimes we don't get it. That God's calling to us for our good. What happens is, over time, Linda will take Misu out. But Linda, when she does that, she uses a leash. And she actually shortens it up. And Misu's fine. The reason she does is this is a way to control her. If you think about that, is that good or is that bad? That's good. Because it controls her. She can still go kind of whatever. But she's under the control of the one who cares for her. You see, as we do life, Satan offers us all kinds of distraction. He gets our eyes on people and money, new business, a relationship, getting the new job, power. I'm going to take that transfer to another state. Well, is there a good church here? I don't care about that. I'm going to take the transfer because it's $10,000 more a year. Satan brings us all kinds of things. Now, usually they're not bad things. They're just things that keep us unfocused on what life is all about. You need to understand today that the Word of God, you're right in the right chapter. Go down to verse 105. The Word of God is our leash. The Word of God is our leash. Look at it. Psalm 119, 105. Your Word is a lamp to my feet, and it's a light for our path. You see, we're the strained dog, and God uses the Bible as our leash. So write this down, if you will, this morning. When we understand this key, you'll love to be in the Word of God. The Word keeps us from straying, and it keeps us Christ-centered. What do I mean by that? When we open the Word of God and read it, it brings us back to the basics of life. As I read the Word of God, I'm always reminded, no matter if I'm Old Testament or New Testament, I'm reminded about three things. The only three things that really matter. God, people, and my time. 
It always brings me back to that. God, people, and time. So reading, meditating, obeying the word of God keeps God in the center of our lives. Now, remember, God didn't just give us his word, but he gave us the power through the person of the Holy Spirit who lives in us, the power to obey it. God says in Romans 8, I have the power to say, no, I'm not straying. I'm not going over there. I know that looks good, but I'm keeping Christ centered in my life. That lifestyle of following the shepherd brings great freedom and joy. That's what you and I want to do. Now, one of my favorite passages in the Bible is this one. You can use it as a homework and here in Melbourne. Use it as a little homework for your devotion this week. It says this. Psalm 119, verse 35. I love the New Living Translation in this. It says this. Make me to walk. Make me. God, I'm submitting to you. Make me to walk in the path of your commands. For that is where happiness is found. Happiness is not found in strain. Yes, there is pleasure in sin for a season. Happiness is not found in strain. Happiness is found in walking along the paths of God's command. The older you get, the more that makes sense to you. Simply allow the Bible to be the leash that directs you into the will of God. Now go back to Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. In verse 20, when Paul says this again, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, notice these words, Christ will be exalted. Some of your translations say magnified or he'll look good. He'll be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul says, I have a goal. I'm going to keep my eyes on Jesus and I want my lifestyle to magnify God. I want people, when they look at me, go, I like that. I'd like that lifestyle, whether I'm living or dying. In other words, I want to become, I want to become like Jesus. Let me just stop and give you something for a moment and then a little extra credit for you in the teaching today. Too much of the time in our lives as Christ followers, we focus on what we're doing. It's good. We should be doing. You'll see later. That's one of the fruits. We focus on what we're doing. God is much more interested in what you and I are becoming inside rather than what we're doing outside. You see, our outside stuff is external. What God wants to do is inward. And that is what following Christ does. It does something in me to my character. So God's way more interested in what you are becoming like Him than what you're doing for him. What you're doing for him is important, but he wants us to become like him. Today, Pastor Mark taught about our need to find out what we live for. He told us about the Apostle Paul, who was torn between continuing to live and serve the church and dying and being with Jesus. We were reminded that for the Christ follower, their goal was to be living by the instructions were given in God's Word and to use our lives to impact the world for Christ. 
You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, Pastor Mark will continue the message, Living or Dying, We Win. He will keep teaching about our need to stay focused on God's Word. We are to use it to guide our lives and to live like God wants us to, not to live like the world does. We'll learn more in depth about our purpose here, which is to live, minister, think, be, and die like Christ did. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Contagious, Outrageous Joy. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.